0: You're listening to The Economist Asks. I'm Anne McElvoy. While Britain's headlines are dominated by the race to lead the Conservative Party, the opposition Labour Party, led by Jeremy Corbyn, is locked in its own identity struggle. At a fractious shadow cabinet meeting on Tuesday, the top brass again failed to agree on how to resolve the Brexit stalemate. It's a lack of clarity that's cost the party dearly. After losing about half of its representatives in the European elections, Labour has plummeted to just 20% in the polls, tying with the Conservatives behind the new Brexit party on 23%. My guest today is John McDonnell, Shadow Chancellor and the second half of the duumvirate that's taken Labour decisively to the left. He's a self-proclaimed Marxist who lists among his hobbies fomenting the overthrow of capitalism. Well, when he's not up to that, he's representing a West London constituency of Hayes and Harlington. He's done that for over 20 years. McDonald became one of the strongest voices in Labour calling for a second referendum. He argues it should campaign for Remain, but Jeremy Corbyn insists he needs more time to make the final call, two more weeks of consultation. So this week we're asking, can Labour solve its Brexit problem? John McDonnell, welcome to The Economist Asks. Hi,
1: thanks for inviting me in.
0: How long have you been reading The Economist? then? <laughs> gather you have a, <laughs> Quite a dog-eared a collection. At <laughs>
1: about, I think it's about 45 years. Or what was that? Yeah, mid-twenties, I suppose. Yeah. yeah,
0: And was that part of a desire to engage? I mean, at that point, your politics were already
1: pretty yeah, much yeah, the far yeah, left. Yeah, yeah, the Economist,
0: yeah. not so much part of the great liberal tradition. Were you trying to find out what the enemy thinks?
1: <laughs> Partly because I was a student. That's the first thing. So, you know, you get recommended rating when you're a student. The Economist is one of those things. If you... But also, yeah, it was about making sure you get a broader view of what's going on on the ground, definitely. And a competing view as well. So, speaking of competing views, mm.
0: let's, uh, let's go into the situation that faces us at the moment very seriously in the country as a whole over Brexit. And despite your prediction of white smoke at the shadow cabinet yeah, earlier yeah. this week, uh, Labour's top team has failed to reach an agreement on whether there should be a second referendum, or indeed, if so, what the concrete terms of that would be, what went wrong?
1: I won't talk about what happened in shadow cabinet because they're meant to be confidential. Although uh, there seem to be various leaks that have taken place, most of them out of context. But there you are. What Jeremy reported is that the unions want a bit more time in the discussion, so a few more weeks, which is fair enough, and also further discussion of NEC members. So. This is the nature of Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, which I support, the whole style of it, which is consensus building, trying to make sure you listen to everyone's point of view and then try and bring people around to an agreement. And then once we're taking that decision, that's it. We adhere to it. And I think that's what uh, Jeremy's argument was. But it sounded
0: to me like you thought more would happen this week and that you actively yourself. Yeah, and I know not everything that is said of shadow cabinet meetings is true, but there does seem a fairly consistent account that you spoke strongly in favour of getting on with it. And there was even a report that you described the Brexit policy of your party as a slow moving car crash. I'm not going to comment on what was said in the shadow
1: did cabinet. Did you say it? I'm not going to comment on that. you, Get what you did well, you know, <laughs> But the position is, exactly as Jeremy has said, um, we thought we'd have a clear view by yesterday the unions want more time, which is fair enough, and they've got, to, they've got to consult their own members as well uh, and, and different structures that they've got. So I was arguing basically um, consistently in the, in the public now that we do need to come to a view, and that needs to be sooner rather than later. And I'd much rather that was done before we had a new prime minister and, a, a, and in that way our position would be absolutely clear.
0: But you had a, a long time to come to this position is the disagreement fundamentally a philosophical one that Jeremy Corbyn and, and some people mm. close to him and, and uh, Len McCluskey, a leading trade unionist in this equation, have doubts about the idea of going back to the people, fundamentally taking the okay. view that you've had a, right. a big now, referendum? Let's
1: go through it step by yeah, step. Again, this isn't betraying confidence from Shadokam. This is the discussion that's gone on you publicly. You can always do that if you feel like <laughs> it. <laughs> well, I won't. <laughs> step by step. Um, I think there's unanimity about opposing no deal. That's the first thing. And uh, unanimity across the movement, um, but also unanimity with our partners in industry, if you like. I'm, you know, yesterday we met with the CBI, the um the Institute of Directors, Federation of Small Businesses, the Chamber, and to to an organization they're opposed to a no deal. So that's where we're at. Second thing is then how do we oppose that um, effectively? Um, and the general view now, and I think that uh, f- virtual unanimity, is to go back to the people in a in public vote. Now, some people say, yes, we need a general election. Of course we do. But the reality is it's a public vote. Through a referendum,
0: so you think and a ref just on a timeline? I'm sorry, let you continue. Yeah. But that the aim of a general election, which was the primary so Labour it, policy, and for always will be, and always will be, well, well, the, the opposition. Of course, you like an election, yeah. but you now think that a referendum is more likely in terms of
1: it's a judgment. The time it's a judgment. Others, others think actually it's more difficult to get a referendum than it is a general election. What because do you think? I think it's most probably easier to get Conservative MPs to vote for a referendum than it is for a general election. But, here's the but, in terms of parliamentary procedure, it's easier to go for a no-confidence vote than it is to get an agreement to a referendum. So that's the rub that we're in at the moment. And somehow we've got to work our way through this. And it isn't just us, it's the other political parties, and also it's it's a significant number of Conservative MPs as well, because they equally oppose a no-deal. Now, you saw what Tobias Elwood said the other day he's willing to vote in a no confidence motion if necessary to bring about a general election. So a lot of this is about tactics. So step. if I get absolutely clear, we're opposed to a no-deal. Jeremy's made it clear any deal or a no-deal needs to go back to the people for a public vote. Of course we want a general election if we can, but a public vote in this instance means a referendum. So then the other issue to be decided is what Uh, because you always get the next question. If you're having a public vote, what's your attitude? What's your position on all of this? Exactly. So that's the next stage of the debate and that's the consultation that's going on. I've said publicly, what my personal position is, is that if there's another referendum, I've got to be honest with people, I'd vote for Remain and I'd campaign for Remain. Now, but the, we've got to arrive at a party position on that that we can adhere to. And that's do you the think discussion. Jeremy
0: Corbyn would vote for Remain in another referendum? In all circumstances, would Jeremy Corbyn vote for Remain? I can't speak Remain?
1: for him because he's in a, in a position now where he's trying to make. He's sure, your leader. Yes, I know, but he's, he has to speak for himself. And he, what he's trying to do is bring people together. To and this is the oh, this is what's great about Jeremy Corbyn. He's a different type of leader. He's a consensus builder. He's a person who brings people together. And then once a decision is made, that's it. We adhere to it. <laughs>
0: Is your own position revoke or second referendum? You said you would
1: support a, a... second referendum. I think is more acceptable to people. I think people want to say, um, and I've been talking to all sides. I've been talking to, I've been talking to the People's Vote campaign. You know, I've been in discussions with Alastair Campbell and others, and the members of the People's Vote campaign. And their they, their principal position is go back to the people. Now I know others want to get Parliament to decide to revoke, but I think the thing that will gain most support is going back to the people.
0: And just on revoke, that is actually an option which seems somewhat more popular at the moment if you look at the polling and second referendum where people aren't so sure what they're going to be asked. Would you consider backing revoke in any circumstances or are you very fully allied now
1: to the second? Not addressing it, not addressing it. I'm trying to concentrate on this issue about work step by step, how do we block no deal? How do we go back to the people? What mechanism can we devise on that? And then the discussion about the Labour's position.
0: You mentioned Alistair Campbell, former mm. strategist under Tony Blair. Not your flavour of, of the Labour Party, really. It- we talk. We talk. We talk about football mainly, but we talk.
1: You got kicked out of the party, didn't
0: he, recently, for saying you voted Liberal Democrat. You talk about that.
1: He's appealed. He's appealed. He's appealed.
0: Do you think he should have been stripped of his party membership for voting in a European I don't, election? I can't, com- no,
1: I can't comment on an individual case while his, his appeal is going on or, or his appeal is started or anything like that. Uh, my general view on all of these things now is to recognise that actually on Brexit has become a bit of a special issue. And there are large numbers of people who have voted for different parties solely on the basis of that issue, on the matter of principle. So you might be a bit tolerant. Well, we should respect that, I think. We should respect that and understand that and take that into account. The auto-exclusion upon which Alistair was <laughs> thrown out of the party was actually introduced under New Labour. And I've never I've never, I've never thought that was the right procedure.
0: What goes around comes around. So you would welcome Alistair Campbell back into the,
1: the Labour family? I always want to recruit to the Labour Party.
0: There is a split, really, isn't there, within the shadow cabinet. To what extent is it philosophical or is it just practical? Or We've got all these leave seats, we've got these trade unionists, some of whom are leave, some of whom are remain. For some people, and I get the impression that it is the case for Jeremy Corbyn, I think he finds it genuinely difficult to get up and say, I would like a second referendum in all circumstances and I would campaign to remain because he no. has a Eurosceptic background.
1: No, I don't believe that's true because he's said it enough times now. He's repeated it time and time again that we need to go back to the people uh, on the basis of any deal or no deal, and I think that's he's, he's said that enough times. So I, I, I doubt your your judgment on that one. The issue in the debate, we believe that whatever structures that exist. Uh, Within Europe itself, whereas the EU or alternative structures or whatever, we'll always work on a cross-transnational basis uh, for progressive causes. The issue is, uh, uh, the judgment within the party is, was the EU the appropriate structure? The conclusion we reach is, yes, it is, but there needs to be a lot of elements of reform. We didn't really have that debate before the referendum. That was part of the problem. In some ways, we're having a a more rational debate now than we were before the referendum, and that's the tragedy of it all. Can that really be the case?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you're reported as saying you don't want another summer like the last one and the one before, and you don't want to see another leadership contest. Do you think that's a danger for the party this summer?
1: No, no, it isn't. There's no evidence of that. But the issue around the summer... The point I was uh, made and I made this publicly is that uh, we're in a situation now where it is better to re- resolve our positioning on all these issues, one, before there's a new prime minister that's the first thing, because we might well be.: called, last week Yeah, and we might well be called into negotiations with the new prime minister again as we were last time. So that's important. The second issue is is that we don't want to be in a situation where different competing sides within the party are campaigning all the way through the summer, not knowing. Whether what the party's position is, and do you think the position will be, Labour will campaign to remain. No, that's my that's my argument, uh, and we'll see where we go from here. So no danger of leadership, turmoil. No, no, no.
0: Would you want to be leader if the no, if no. the ball came from no, no the back of the all. scrum as look, Boris
1: Johnson wants? I tried to be leader twice. Can you remember? I couldn't even get That's, on the ballot paper. That's how three. popular it was. So there's no Times chance. Times have changed. No, no, Johnson. no. Jeremy's the, Jeremy's the leader for us and he's the right leader for us. The issue for us now is not about leadership challenges or anything like that. The issue is we could be faced with a general election in October and there's a seriousness within the parliamentary Labour Party in the movement overall to get ready for that, both in campaigning but also in policy terms.
0: Would you uh, hold a no-confidence vote when a Tory leader had just been elected, which is obviously Boris Johnson or uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt, or would you think your responsibility as the opposition is to try and support an outcome before you do that? You've sometimes signalled that you want to bring down this government immediately, and sometimes you want to work with them. We'll
1: make the call. We'll make the call dependent on the statements made by the new prime minister. And so far, if it is, as far as I can see, the sort of reckless drive towards a no deal um i think the call will be we've got to end this as quickly as we possibly can that if that will use every mechanism then to either bring about a referendum or a general election but we'll see what comes out of what well, do you make boris, of boris something. boris johnson
0: sort of slightly populist tone that Boris Johnson yeah, is almost yeah. a kind of balancer that's left populism which uh, no, some would I, say I, that I you could set in motion with the momentum movement.
1: No, I don't accept that. I think that what... Well, Do you admire him? No, no. I, I think he's completely reckless. I think he's dangerous and um, I don't... I think his behaviour at times is unacceptable.
0: Have you spoken to him?
1: I speak to him because he's my next door neighbour constituency MP um, but i just give the example of where I feel personally let down. If you remember, we were running the third runway campaign, mm-hmm. and it was me at the count that said yes. to him, you know, will you honour the promise that yes. his predecessor yes. had lying yes. down in front of the bulldozers? Because Boris says, oh, yes, I'll be there with you, John, and all this. And then when it comes to the vote on the night of the House of Commons, he leaves the country. Politicians, huh.
0: Green Industrial Revolution. You spoke this week to the Trade Body UK Finance. You laid out your plan for a green industrial revolution, including delisting companies with poor green credentials from the Stock Exchange in London. Now, there's been a mixed reaction, it would be fair to say, in the city to this financial totalitarianism, a command economy. How on earth do you win over big business to your plans, which sound very constraining to them? Yeah,
1: talking to them directly rather than reading the headlines in some of our... um more uh, fiction-oriented to newspapers, I think. Um, What I laid out in my speech, and I've done for a series of speeches, is that what we want to do is harness the resources and the effectiveness of our finance sector in the city We've already published reports about how can we mobilise the finance sector more effectively. At the moment, the productive side of our economy is creating wealth, it's going into the city, and then largely it's being invested in property speculation. How can we harness that more effectively to make sure we attract inward investment because it, to run alongside the state investment? But there has to be a, a clear view about what the priorities are. And at the moment, we set our priorities out as tackling the climate yes. change, fourth industrial revolution, and tackling regional imbalance. But
0: if you're an investor coming into the the mm. UK and you've got a Labour government, John McDonnell as, as Chancellor, instead of shadow Chancellor, you're bringing money into this country. You're being told in no uncertain terms that the word harnessed is, is applied to mm. you a number of times. You've also seen in your nationalisation strategy that you think it is OK to visit nationalisation on companies and... You have not been absolutely clear about their compensation, so it sounds okay. like a Let's bit. It sounds that. like a bit of a difficult bet oh, okay. for Let's, any investor okay. to make.
1: Let's go through that then, because the most important thing is that actually we're completely open and transparent about what we do. So people know what we're going to do. They know what they're going to get when they get Labour government when we go into power. So the whole process I'm going through now and have done for the last eighteen months is explaining these are our objectives. These are those policies. Um, actually, if you disagree with some of those policies, but agree with the. Objectives. You tell me an alternative, and we'll look at that in detail, which we are doing. But in addition to that, this is the limit of what we're doing. So what you see is what you get. I do this but thing not But
0: well, they don't have to come here, right? Capital no, is very mobile. No, that's true.
1: But that, but Does that not worry what no, you will what get all, No, because what they'll also see is a government that's willing to invest state resources alongside private sector resources, where they'll get a good rate of return in a growing economy. There'll be investment opportunities under us that they've never had, certainly under this government. Over the last nine years to a decade. We're talking about, you know, the scale of our ambition is enormous and tackling climate change, it has to be. So barrages all the way around the country in our coastal towns, alternative energy sources, wind power, wave power, and that alternative energy will have to be constructed. And there's the opportunities around carbon capture, for example, huge, immense opportunities for investment. And I think actually investors will be excited by that. You've said capital controls aren't going to happen. No. But
0: why not if you want to constrain the amount no, of money there's there's
1: no in the country no, we're not there's no need because there won't be capital flight people will want to invest in this country they will they'll see the opportunity of a growing economy to invest in they'll get a decent rate of return we're not going to be ripped off anymore they'll get a decent rate of return and this is what i keep saying this is why i meet the cbi and the institute of directors we want them coming into government with us. So yesterday when we met the the big five, which are the business associations, we said to them, I've asked them to prepare a report about how they would like to come into government with us, what existing structures work, what don't, but what sort of structures would they like? And i just give you one example. They say at the moment a real breakthrough of the last 12 months is that the business secretary is calling them in for a regular meet. I said, that will continue. They said, number 10 is now consulting. I said, that will continue. You tell us what structures you want, because I want you alongside us in advising us and making these decisions. Mm. You've been to nice school, haven't you?
0: You're making it sound very nice. I've always been nice. Very cooperative. I've always been nice. My mum
1: always said, be kind. And that's why I try and be. i not (laughs) always succeed, I admit. It's a rough and tumble game, politics. (laughs) Doesn't it doesn't have to be, actually. It doesn't
0: the, have to be. Uh, oh, You've found battle on sort of revolutionary turf for many years. You, you, just win, you, you,
1: the, you win the argument. That's the whole point.
0: You were fermenting uh, the overthrow of capitalism. Are you getting there?
1: Uh, well, I think I'm transforming it and I'm winning the argument. I think the whole point is actually you, you ensure that people understand your policies are just common sense. And at the moment... On, at the mm. moment, if you look at the polling on most of our policies, overwhelming support.
0: That will be tested at some point, it? Well, Just a word Soon, I hope. Soon, you hope. <laughs> well, in fact, do you think the second referendum more likely than the general election? I,
1: at the moment, but I, I've said that it's very difficult to see the Tories vote for a general election, but then Tobias Elwood came out and said he would, so the mm. game might change. On nationalisation, mm. uh, you and Labour generally have pointed to the example of Northern Rock, that's a
0: British bank that was, became insolvent at the height of the financial crisis and was taken into public ownership shareholders lost their claim for compensation there's still a lot of other companies and banks wrangling about what they yeah, charged yeah. at credit Suisse in a case this week now your nationalization plans do seem to sort of rely on that kind of precedent that the government can basically take control think, yeah. and that the compensation yeah. is unclear why is that fair
1: i think northern rock was a special case it's interesting Um, I was I think I was the first MP to raise Northern Rock in the middle of the crisis and at that point um, I was the first MP who said actually you're going to have to nationalize to stabilize the system and Alistair Darling was the um, shadow was the chancellor then uh, and initially resisted and then eventually happened Uh, Alistair had a bit of a he's got a good sense of humor so when I got up again and said actually I I advised you to nationalise and now you how? He said, well, you've been calling for that for 30 years anyway. You're bound to be right sometime. So the issue for me is to follow the past trend of nationalisations where Parliament will determine the the price and the level of compensation. But people will be protected. They'll get government bonds in return.
0: they get government bonds in return. It depends how the government performs. It?
1: Well if we've got a growing economy under labour, it will perform very well. Well that's the the, big but the key if. issue for a lot of people as well is making sure that they get a stable rate of return for their investment.
0: You have a proposal on a share ownership, yeah. a proposal to transfer ten percent of share ownership To employees. Some criticisms that we raised about that. One was having shares in the same company that pays your salary isn't always a great Mm. thing. Ask Enron employees how would you protect against that? And the other one, which I have returned to, but I think this is another good example, is a disregard. For property rights, this would be imposed on employers without their their (coughs) so so Some called it an expropriation of shareholder wealth.
1: Let's deal with the Enron issue. Mm -hmm. First of all, this will be on top of your normal salary. So it's a a bonus as much as anything. So what you're having is 1% of the shares of that company, larger companies above 250 employees, 1% a year transferred over a period of 10 years into collective ownership, Those shares will be managed. It will obviously give you shareholder rights as well. So it will be done collectively. So it will be in addition to your salary. There's no greater risk than that because your salary will be at risk if something went broke anyway. That's the first thing. The second thing is, look, for 40 years, um, most people have argued and signed up to the whole concept of a stakeholder economy. Uh, And for those 40 years, uh, Will Hutton has written extensively on this. I, I, I think some of the work he's done has been brilliant. But it hasn't happened. So on a voluntary basis, this idea of this stakeholder economy hasn't been created. So we've said now we'll move to a mandatory form of that. Now, it's interesting. I met with the CBI yesterday. They've done some research, I think, with the city. They're going to send me about the scale of voluntary employee ownership schemes. And I'll have a look at that research. Of course I will, because I've said time and time again, this is our objective. If you can find me another way through, fair enough, I'll look at that. But at the moment, voluntary exhortation for yeah, 40 I've years has worked. I've got to ask worked. you, if
0: foreign-owned firms or multinationals with small, relatively small number of employees in, in the UK then just said, well, I don't much fancy your not-quite-voluntary no. uh, scheme, what would prevent them just? moving elsewhere?
1: Well, it's interesting. I think uh, most of them, if you look at quite a few of them, they've got voluntary participation in the shareholding in that way anyway. But I think we can convince them. The reason we can convince them is all the evidence shows the more employee participation and ownership, the longer term decision making takes place and the higher levels of productivity.
0: We've had a bit of a suppressed assumption in this conversation that it's Labour versus the Tories, same, yeah, same as yeah. it ever was since Anything you came have. into yeah. uh, politics and uh, started reading The Economist a long time ago. But it, 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 really, the Brexit Party, there are other disruptive forces. How much do you worry about politics changing sort of out of the control of the old two-party structures, particularly the Brexit Party and Nigel well, Farage eating yeah. your lunch yeah. electorally?
1: I think it's a one-off. We'll see. I never, I never ever dismiss um, the o- opposition, and you need to take it into account. Um, I think it's a bit like UKIP, though. I think it's like a desert flower; it will bloom and die back once the issue is resolved.
0: Like a desert flower, mm. it will bloom and die back. That's a description of Nigel Farage that is going to linger
1: in the mind. It is really, maybe a prickly flower.
0: Do you have any admiration for that? disruptive revolutionary yeah. energy no, or do you because think it's, it, look, it's dangerous it's
1: easy, it's easy to pander right. to xenophobia and issues like that that's the easiest form of politics and that's why it's so dangerous but also that's why also it's it's got to be opposed
0: another form of xenophobia has haunted the party under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership and, and yours at the top of it is anti-Semitism mm. you've said we weren't fast enough we weren't ruthless enough and I'm quite angry about what has happened And yet there are still well-researched stories saying that the party has not responded quickly, adequately, that cases of alleged anti-Semitism, of leading members, officials, candidates, sort of don't get dealt with with any speed or ruthlessness. to take your word. Why not?
1: Um, I think initially... um Well, initially, to be frank, the bureaucracy wasn't under our control. That's the first thing. That has to be admitted. Um, Once we got that under control and brought in a new general secretary, brought in what we'd been arguing, what Shami Chakrabarti had been arguing for for ages, which is proper legal advice. So we've got a QC, a, a very good barrister involved, and a legal panel. Things stepped up and improved. But now we've got the EHRC investigation. I welcome that.
0: But because hang on a minute. I mean, why is this happening? Why has it gone on so long? It has to be a bit more than, like, we couldn't get hold of true. the QC in I, time and we didn't no, have th- the bureaucracy. No, there's, right. an
1: el- there's an element of, one, there's an element of the organisation was poor to deal with it. And I think we resolved that. The second is this issue. I think we don't think we were ruthless enough about it. And, you know, that's in the Labour Party. I think people want to go that extra mile. Sometimes you have to put your foot down and say, that's it. But now the uh, commission is involved. Um, I think this is a great thing. They can then tell us what we've done, what right, what we've done wrong. Hopefully, we'll get a clean bill of health. If we don't, I want the recommendations that they put to us implemented. But don't, don't
0: you worry, you know, it's for someone who's intellectually sort of curious about love things. You don't seem to worry too much about where, where this
1: comes from oh, I in the do. Oh, no, no, you've got that wrong. Right. Look, hang okay. on. Talk no, about- the, the, the lessons we've got to learn. I met with, I met with a number of Jewish organisations over the last couple of weeks. I met with a group of youngster, young Jewish people uh, from America and from Britain. And what they've done, which is absolutely brilliant, is they've produced a booklet now uh, just to educate people about the nature of anti-Semitism. Now, I uh, see we always prided ourselves on being an anti-racist party. And I think we prided ourselves as well in our society that we may well have overcome anti-Semitism. We haven't. And our society is still plagued by it. Why is it is virulent sort of, on the
0: left? Is it? I don't think is it is. It, ju- no, you, no, no. Hang on. Let me answer ask no, the question. It, it
1: isn't virulent. Is it always
0: the, just a, a sort of series of unfortunate no, anti-Semitic no, events?
1: No. no it or is
0: it somehow linked to the ideology and attention? No, I don't. Exactly. It goes really goes back to no, the time of Marx. I do not. Marx, no. So I, ways no I do
1: not. Well, Marx was a Jew himself. He was the son of a rabbi. Yeah. He but, also had uh, great
0: tensions. But, about,
1: but look, let's go back to it. No, it isn't on the left. If you look at all the surveys. Actually, the propensity of anti-Semitism is on the right. But that doesn't matter. It does not matter where it is. We've got to eradicate it. And I made this point about, you know, the figures in the Labour Party, 0.01% or whatever. It doesn't matter if there's one anti-Semite in our name. It doesn't matter. We've got but to but resolve it, is linked.
0: it. It is linked to a view on the left of the foundation of Israel.
1: Well, no, so it goes. Right for, no, world. I'm sorry, it goes further back than that. If we think it's just that, we're we're wrong. We misunderstand it. We've got to accept that anti Semitism goes back in our society, even to the medieval period. And it's gone on and on in different waves and different forms as well. Now, we prided ourselves, I think, complacently, thinking we'd eradicated it within our society, and we haven't. It's there. So we get to a situation now where the lack of education, the language that is used sometimes, and this is what I thought was really brilliant about the different groups I've been meeting. They're saying what we need to do now is have a comprehensive education program, not just in the Labour Party, but more generally about the language we use, the understanding of anti-Semitism, the recognition it's so deep rooted within our society still, and that we have to have mechanisms for overcoming. And again, for many
0: of those who are active and who have pushed an agenda which uh, many see as anti-Semitic, it is to do with a view of Israel it is to do with what they were call anti Zionist.
1: No, I'm sorry, I disagree with that. But, but it's all over. I mean, No, it's hang on, there are some. All over social media there, every day of the no, week. No, there are some anti Semites who will use Israel as, as to promote their anti-Semitism and they would use the behaviour of the Netanyahu government in particular to use that and that's part of the education process we've got to demonstrate to people that that is a mechanism that anti-Sem- anti-Semites use and that we've got to counter
0: of course we so can So Israel just to be very clear in your view John has a right to exist it as does. it was set Look,
1: up Of course it does for years I was nominated for parliamentary selections by Paul Zion, the Jewish organisation within our party of course it has a right to exist but just as every Israeli will tell you they have the right as everyone else has to criticize a particular government's behavior particularly if they think it is impacting upon other people's human rights and that's that's you cannot you cannot allow people to be divided in this way and that's why anti-semites use Israeli's behavior to promote their anti-semitism part of the education we've got to do is allow people to understand how you distinguish that
0: and do you think many prominent figures in your party, including yourself, including Jeremy Corbyn, have been careful enough with the company they kept, often on platforms, often in your you your campaigning in your, your, your radical days? I don't want to say all just your badge-wearing days, but the days when you were you were counter, sort of culturally, yeah, politically, two points. That you were not careful yeah. enough about the company no. that you kept among those who had doubts about Israel's right to exist, or indeed. have been accused of anti-Semitism. The
1: company you keep sometimes is about, well, first of all, my radical days aren't over. My radical days are here. Um, That's the first thing. The second thing is the company you keep often is about the the people you need to speak to to get them around tables at times. And that's part of the challenge that you always have as a politician. Speaking
0: of the company you keep, we went off to the RMT uh, Union's Garden Party for Cuba. (laughs) A a jolly sounding affair. The more serious point about that, this is the kind of event you Mm. still like to turn up at. You've said a Labour government would be the country's staunchest ally to support the Cuban revolution. Cuban revolution has not been an unalloyed blessing for the people of Cuba, has it?
1: I think it's I think it's enhanced the quality of life of the Cuban people immensely, both in terms of education and health, and the quality of their life overall. There have been issues or criticisms, of course, there are, and I've made those criticisms. I think it's time now for other states to be supporting the Cuban people rather than instigating blockades and boycotts, etc., which undermines the quality of life of those people. It's
0: the alliances sound a bit like they're stuck in, in a Cold War.
1: No, about, no, not at all. Cuba, it's, a bit soft on tried, Russia. No, Quite the reverse. I'm trying to pull the world out of those Cold War attitudes to say you shouldn't be blockading countries like Cuba. You should be inviting them around the table, particularly economically.
0: Last question. Uh, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, who would get your vote?
1: Bernie Sanders.
0: You're Sanders. Sanders through and through. John McDonnell, thank you very much for joining thank us. Thank you. <laughs> and we want to hear what you think is Labour right to back a second referendum. Should Remain be an option on that ballot paper? And has John McDonnell's party acted forcefully enough on anti-Semitism? Write to us at radio at Or you can tweet us at Economist Radio. And if you're not yet a subscriber, you can go to economist.com slash radio offer and you'll get your first 12 issues for £12 or $12. I'm Anne McElvoy and in London, this is The Economist.